Well, hey, everybody. We have a heavy topic today. Uh, if you're brand new, what, here's what we've been doing. Uh, this is the sixth week of uh, a conversation. So if you're like, six weeks, this is your first week, uh-oh, uh, go on the internet and you will find this. But we have been going after questions. In fact, if, here, if you've missed it, let me, let me show you a review of, of all the questions that we've I should say, not that we've been answering, you follow me, that, the, that God answered through the Bible, but we've been pointing to it. Okay, anyways, so all of these questions, which I'm not going to review with you right now. Again, you can go to the internet and see all the questions that we've, we've processed. They're questions that when I talk to really someone who follows Jesus or doesn't, often these are questions that at least we're curious about. But if you follow Jesus, these are questions that you need answered, and they are answered for you. So when I tell you that this message, what I want to talk to you about is, there's a bit of weight to it, there's one question that we haven't gone after, the remaining question, are heaven and hell real? I don't get the privilege of taking you you to to heaven to show you around, right? I don't want to take you to the other one, you just, but we need to answer this. And and it's got to be more, listen, it's got to be more than just you and I going, yeah, that sounds about right, or someone told me they were real, or maybe on the flip side, maybe you're of the belief that heaven sounds awesome, hell seems unrealistic and not like the God that you worship, so it must not exist. I think we should, let's let the word of God teach us this weighty stuff, okay? So I gotta give you a bit of a explanation. The teacher would like to tell you how he's about to teach, okay? I'm gonna read some things to you, I'm going to pause and summarize what I've read to you. Are we clear? This is not going to be uh, a bunch of minutes all put together and eventually at the end, Pastor David summarizes. We're going to take this in bite-sized portions. Are we clear? So if you see that I'm summarizing, like he's summarizing a lot, yeah, because we're talking about heaven and hell. So with that said, let's talk about heaven first. Let's look at some things that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Yay. (laughs) Okay. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. What I'm going to try to bring up with you is did Jesus, I want to answer this question. I'm not going to put the question up there, but did Jesus bring up heaven right now? I just shared with you, uh uh-huh. It's not a made up uh, 20th century kind of idea. No, this this is like, no, no, Jesus brought it up. Let's, Let's keep reading though. Matthew 6, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly be admired by others. That was very common, I think still is. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. This isn't just one mentioning. In fact, I'm not going to be able to read all the stuff that he says, but I just want to show you over and over, not David's opinion, but Jesus is talking about, keeps bringing up heaven. Matthew 7, you're seeing a trend here, right? Okay. Uh, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There appears to be not just a word that sounds neat, but there's a place that seems to be a a destination. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Okay? Now, remember remember how Pastor David told you he was going to teach this sermon? I just read to you some verses, and some of us are like, 
Okay, summary time. Here's what those verses just shared with you if you completely missed it or you're just now tuning in. Heaven, God is there. We can be there. I know at first you're like, that's not profound, but we're building blocks here, right? Okay, I'm just gonna read the Bible and I want us to understand what the Bible is teaching us because the Bible is God's word. So if you wanna know what God says, specifically Jesus about heaven, uh, God is there and and we can be there. Clear? Can, can the teacher keep moving? Okay. Uh, because we're going to move into some, well, weightier stuff that you may not like. Matthew 25. The other half of the question. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed one. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. You need to read that correctly because it talks about the devil and his demons, right? And you can misread that and think, oh, that's what this eternal fire is for, is just the devil and his demons. But that's not what that just said. That said the devil and the demons, and, but also these, this other group of people that are, that, are in, that are sectioned off in the midst of judgment. And then it goes more specifics about how they lived their lives. <clears throat> let, let me teach you in summary. You catching the trend? Jesus talked about hell more than heaven. You can do your own study. Some of you are like, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. You have your own Bible. You can go read it. I read it for you. Jesus talked about hell more than heaven and more vividly than he described heaven. It's kind of annoying because I want to know the true facts about heaven. I want to know like details. I'm not a detail-oriented person unless you're talking about where I'm going to spend eternity. Then I want to know all the details. Uh, what I want to bring up is whatever your thoughts of heaven and hell, you have to be honest about what Jesus taught about because it's recorded. And the way Jesus spoke about hell was extremely detailed. It's fascinating. In fact, uh, let me take you to one of the places, just one of the ways that Jesus taught about hell. I'm not reading to you every portion of it, but let me just show you an example of how vivid he's described. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. You don't need me to describe to you the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Now that is not a story that you and I are to glean that that's exactly what's going on. He's giving us a story to help us have a little bit of color and detail. In fact, you ought to go read this. You, you, if you want a homework assignment, most people don't, but if you want a homework assignment, you ought to go read this whole chapter, specifically this story. Because again, Jesus brings up heaven and hell and he gives vivid descriptions to hell over and over and over. And I get asked all the time about dwelling on and thinking on heaven and hell and how we should have a sermon series, probably every other sermon series about heaven and hell and end times. And we should just like recycle, recycle, recycle. 
Can I just summarize heaven and hell according to what the Bible teaches, what God teaches about it? This is like, I, this is a major summary, but this is a big deal. Here it is. Heaven is better than you can imagine, and hell is worse than you can imagine. If you were to read the Bible, you're going you're gonna to learn that, that God would often reveal in vision and dreams to people and say, I want you to write this down about heaven and hell. But you need to know that something gets lost in translation when the almighty sovereign God is describing certain things that when you and I read it in a specifically cultural context that what you have to go, you got to lock on that the descriptions in the Bible don't do heaven justice. It's going to be amazing. Now the descriptions you'll read are about gold and precious gems and but do you know what the beauty of heaven will be? And we miss this all the time. Is God will walk with you. There will be no more need for I, I'm believing in what I cannot see. You will see him and you will enjoy him. And it will be better than you could ever imagine. It will not be for those of us who grew up thinking we're just going to wear robes and sing all the time. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that 24-7, you're just handed a robe, put the robe on, you better sing the songs right, and just go over and over and over. I'm telling you, the presence of God, you will experience it like you have never experienced it. That is why hell is so bad. Hell is not bad because of the fire. Hell will be tormenting because God's not there. And you have never experienced that in your life. Did you know this? You have never been in an environment where God is choosing to not be there. And I'm telling you, I have no intentions of trying to scare you out of hell so you choose heaven. I've been in those environments. And the reason I don't want to do that is I think those decisions, they, they go away. But see, I've described to you just briefly heaven and hell, and some of us, just so you know, we're struggling with this, and we're like, heaven sounds a lot like God. Hell doesn't. And if you don't believe in hell, if you think that it's just a, like a good God wouldn't create hell, you would join this statistic here. In 2021, this is the most recent one I could find, more Americans believe in heaven than they do hell. Fascinating, fascinating when Jesus taught on hell more. It tells something about you and I. Just so you know, it, it, how you and I process God. If you've ever done this, I've done this, where you're looking at a situation, and oftentimes you think God is, is leading you into a situation because of how it all lines up and it's all awesome. So we'll use like the open door analogy, like God just opened up this door and I, it looks awesome. I get paid more. It's going to be easier. Everyone's going to love me. It's going to be fantastic. It must be God. That's, that's a fallacy. Oftentimes God will lead his most devoted followers into some rather intense storms. And this is why you and I struggle with hell. Because hell, hell seems horrible. However you see it or visualize it or feel it, right? And to think that the loving God who made you made me, how in the world can a good God actually create such a place? So let me answer a question. Here, God's goodness 
isn't compromised by the existence of hell. I'm going to make the statement. Some of you are like, mm, that sounds a little overgeneralized. Uh, God's goodness, if your question, like, if, if your issue with hell is like, hell can't exist if God is good and loving, that just, they don't, they don't seem to come together. In fact, maybe you've got friends, or maybe it's you, but you might think, like, how could, how, if God loves us, why does he send so many people to hell? Why does he make them go, right? Just trying to answer the questions that a lot of us are asking. God's goodness isn't compromised by hell. I'd like to show you why I believe this. John 3, 16 and 17, I've read to you in this series, right? I've, I've, if you've been a part of it, and I've, I read this all the time because it's a big deal. For this is how God loved the world. This is describing the love of God. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, will not perish. God seems to have gotten involved in to keeping you and I out of hell. You catching this? So everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to send everyone to hell. You catching this? Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And often we stay there. We think, okay, I know John 3.16. Maybe you know 17 as well. But you should read 18 also because it helps. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Please give me some permission in your life right now. We live in a world that will teach us incorrectly that all negative and bad and difficult is not of God and should be left out. And if you ever see any kind of difficult struggle, tension, um, punishment, any kind, then, then, then get that out because that's definitely not of God. God is loving. But then I read to you one of the most popular places in the whole Bible where God's like, I've made a way. I made a way. You don't have to go. You don't have to go. I don't want you to go. Think of all that God's done. God knew, God knew. Scripture says before you and I even recognize this, while we were still sinners, God knew that you and I would need rescue. He didn't want us to go to hell. So what God does is he comes down to the very planet he made, to the people he created, to the people who screwed all this up. God said, I'm stepping in to this mess of a world, and then I'm going to let you disagree with me, mock me, spit on me, beat me, crucify me. I'm going to do all of this for you. Then I'm going to make sure that I've gathered up enough people that they will document these moments, put it into a book, and make sure that it's distributed all over the globe so that anyone and everyone who wants to know can believe. All you need to do is start with believing in God because he doesn't want you going to hell. That does not sound to me like a cruel God. Perhaps we would be cruel if you and I just didn't know the information or didn't have an opportunity, but the blessing, the grace, the mercy that we love, let that be in the same conversation. I did not come up with what I'm about to share with you. I've heard it over and over, and it's been a very profound statement in my life. You have to crawl over Jesus to get to hell. So listen to me, and I'm going to tell you a theological statement that I believe we can argue it later over coffee if you want to. I don't believe 
God sends people to hell, I believe we condemn ourselves. That we walk ourselves that path. And the the love of God is so profound and powerful and transcendent. It's why Jesus, when he described his church, said that hell won't even defeat the church. And you're like, why? Does he just like the church? No, he wants this message out to anyone and everyone that he doesn't want you going to hell. And so that's why we don't have to avoid hell and say, don't talk about hell. That's pretty intense. One of the most significant things about heaven is what won't be in heaven. Which makes hell a part of the conversation. And the unfortunate part of all of this is I'm not sure we're all living like heaven and hell are real. Katie and I got a story. Well, I'll tell you a story. We got a phone call. Uh, Don't freak out. Uh, I feel like I should tell you there's a good ending to the story. Please remember that. Now let me take you to the moment. That Katie and I, it was in the evening, and uh, I believe that we were kind of getting the kids ready for bed and all that kind of stuff, and and uh, we get, I, I, I don't know if Katie first got a text or a phone call from Hayden, he's in college, from his RA. We went, oh, oh no. Um, which jail do we bail? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so, so we got a phone call, and it got a little scary. That's why I tell you there's good ending, but it got a little scary. I said, hey, we've got this event tonight. Hayden's in his bunk, and we can't wake him up. Now, mom and dad are like, What? What? No, we can't see, right? We're like, I, it's so, and we're like, okay. Um, have you called the authorities? Have you called people? Have you gathered people? And, and that's what they were asking. So don't worry, we corrected all those details later on. But we're like, okay. And, and we said, well, um, what have you done to wake him up? Well, we, we called his name and we kind of like pushed him a little bit. And we're like, Okay, we know our son. Here's what you need to do. Go in and shake him like the world is ending and you need to get out. You might have to pour water on his face, but do, do the water and the shaking and then call us back. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Canan, okay, okay. And then radio silence. And then Hayden texts us. What's up? <laughs> Answer the first question in your life. Fantastic. <laughs> then mom and dad, I'm not going to let you into all of our private conversations. We do have the drug conversation. Like, uh, do we need, uh, what? Oh, anyway, no. The dude was just in a deep sleep. He was sick. He had fallen asleep. And we knew Hayden well enough to know that when he goes to sleep, The now grown man goes to sleep. And it's, I think, a description of many Christians these days. Where it's not that we don't believe in heaven and we actually are pretty confident we believe in hell, but we're sleeping on it. 
We're building our own lives, which is not a bad thing. We're doing our own things. We're, some of you, you're dating or you just got married. You're going to get married or you're having kids or you got a new job or you're, or you're managing your finances or, or maybe you're struggling with life and you've got storms like coming at your way. And so you're doing all of that. And all of that is a big deal. I'm not trying to minimize that. But I wonder how many of us right now, when I bring up heaven and hell, it's like one of the first times you've thought of it as of late. And the reality of those two places should actually affect every nook and cranny of everything you ever do in your life. Not in an oppressive way, in actually a profound way. And so I was taught about heaven and hell in a unique way, maybe not so unique, but a way that I don't typically teach that I'm now gonna teach you, okay? This might get a little weird for some of you. Most of the rest of the sermon is, I'm gonna read to you the Bible. I'm not gonna teach, I'm just gonna read, okay? Now, here's where it might get weird. I think some of you ought to close your eyes, but please don't go to sleep, please don't go to sleep. That really makes me feel, don't, don't go to sleep. But some of you, you're like me, where you're so visual that as I read, you're going to all of a sudden start to look around. Maybe, maybe, and I'm going to give you full permission, if you want to, to even bow your head, close your eyes. However you focus, that's the invitation I want to make to you. As I simply take you to the Bible, and I'm going to read to you what the Bible says about heaven and hell. Because I'm thinking, I don't want to personally just wake you up. I want the Holy Spirit to wake you up. And the way I would do that most intently is I want to read to you the Bible and maybe God will do a work in your soul and mine too, okay? All right. This is a lot of reading. So get ready. 2 Peter 3, 3 through 10. By the way, I'm not going to show it on the screen on purpose because I just want you focused. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, Scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. That's why the creation story is so crucial if you're a follower of Jesus. By these waters also, The world of that time was deluged and destroyed. You've perhaps read about the great flood. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. In other words, God will destroy the world again, but not by water, by fire. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. To give you context, according to God, Jesus died two days ago. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. I'm being careful because unfortunately, heaven and hell have been preached on so often that they've been manipulated. I'm not manipulating anything. I'm just reading to you the word of God. So now I will take you into a book that a lot of people avoid like 
the plague. <laughs> Revelation. Full of a bunch of stuff that, frankly, we do not fully understand. But there are parts that are, we don't need any teaching. I can just read it to you. Revelation 20. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And this is a profound verse you need to know. Revelation 20, verse 15. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I have no intent on trying to do anything other than read to you the word of God and say, this is a big deal. Now again, let me return to you just some basic historical fact. God knew this was going to play out, gave visions of it playing out, and God intervened. If you want to know how good God is, God has known that was coming, is coming, a horrible day that you and I do not understand and cannot nearly imagine. And God said, I don't want that for people. If you summarize this, this might help a little bit as I read some more. Heaven is real, hell is real, and our remaining days matter. There's your summary. What do we do with a sermon like this there? As you contemplate that, let me turn in, because Scripture doesn't just talk about the fire, uh, turn and burn, turn and burn. Like No, no, there's more, and this is pretty profound. I'll take you to Revelation 21, and I'm just going to skip around and read some of this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and first earth had just had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Verse three, uh, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is the description of what eternity will be like with God. No more cancer, no more just name, fill in the blank of all the horrible things. No more of that. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. According to the word of God, heaven is our hope and our home. And we need to start living in that way. Heaven is not just something that is hope. It's also this home where it's this final destination, this place, this environment where we get to be with God 
And unfortunately, again, like I say, this gets mistaught and abused and overemphasized. We're like, hell, 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 hell. Yeah, we'll talk about the good stuff later. Or, or, or that's deny the existence of hell. And no, we got to talk about both. To understand the word of God, understand the word of God brings up both. In fact, if you don't know this, I shared this at the beginning of this series. I'll show it to you again, the, the picture to the Bible. If you're putting together the Bible as a puzzle and you want to know what's going on, here's a quick review. Again, you can go online and watch more. It started off with God and righteous people in paradise. You walk all the way through the Bible. Genesis talks about how Satan and sin entered. The world is judged and destroyed. It's all there. Uh, one world government has tried to piece, be pieced together, but God makes a covenant. Then Jesus shows up and changes everything. And a new covenant is made. If you want to know in timeline, we're about right here. And we are creeping our way right there. Uh, we are right here. And if you read Revelation, you'll learn about eventually, according to Scripture, we will return to a one world government. And the world will be judged and destroyed. I just read to you some of that. And Satan and sin will get their butts kicked and out of here. And God and righteous people in paradise. That's the picture of the Bible. And I would be doing you a horrible disservice doesn't even, it's not even an adequate word. I would be failing as a pastor to not have this conversation with you. But I think, I think you and I, at least I do, okay, we need some help. I was church today. Woo! <sighs> Heaven and hell. I think we could take one more step, okay? What in the world do you and I do with the truth about heaven and hell. What do we do with it? Do we go scare people? No. Do we deny things? No. Here's what I would assess based on my reading of scripture, what we should do with this. First, walk with God and run from sin. This is what you should do with the rest of your life. Walk with God and run from sin. Second uh, Peter 3.11, since everything around us is gonna be destroyed like this, you're like, whoo, this is heavy. What holy and godly lives you should live. This is what you and I should do with the rest of our lives is walk with God, run from sin. Walk, if you're like, what are you doing today? Walking with God, running from sin. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing, okay? What a wonderful way to live your life. And, and most of us know this. We, I've preached on this enough in this series. Like, okay, walk with God, run from sin. Walk with God, run from sin. But that's not the only thing. I, that's not the only application. Here's another application for those of you. Like, I already got that. Help people get to heaven. Oftentimes we'll say, what's my purpose? What's, what should I do with my life? Help people get to heaven. Other scriptures we'll talk about, don't make it difficult for people to understand and know the way of Jesus. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. I thought we should take a time, just a moment with this because I'm not convinced. I, okay, let me say this. I am convinced that this is where the church, the global church, is breaking down. Many of us are thinking that this heaven and hell thing is just for ourselves personally and privately. Uh, not a new problem. Jesus brought it up, Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That's a key word, compassion. Don't forget that word. He had compassion on them. He had compassion. Maybe right now begin evaluating your level of compassion for people who don't walk with Jesus. Oh, let me help you a little bit more. Who uh, think differently than you do, have different views of government than you do, who do things that you don't agree with or that God doesn't agree with. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord. Notice this. So what's the first action? So pray 
So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So here's what I could do right now, and I'm not going to do it, but I could do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't think I should do it. Here's what I could do. It's try to make you feel guilty so that you'll start helping people go to heaven. Okay? Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to try to do that. Doesn't work. I don't want to do that. I love you too much. You got me that I'm not going to do that? I'm just going to hope by your silence that yes, you're like, okay, here, here. We need compassion, so we should ask God for it. I'm not going to try to give it to you. According to Jesus, that there's this involvement of, of looking at people and seeing people. My prayer is constantly, God, help me see people the way that you see people. What if you and I were to wake up and not just pray for our kids, that God would save them, which that would be fantastic, or that God would fix your problems. What if you and I were to wake up and say, God, I need help having compassion. Is anyone have a bit of a deficiency like your pastor does some days on compassion? Some days I wake up and deficiency doesn't describe it. The light's been on for days kind of a thing. Like, hey, fill up, David, fill up, David. And I think that one of the descriptors of the church calling is hypocritical and judgmental and this, this and that, I think a part of it alludes to, I think, I think not near as many Christians are praying for God, give me compassion. So I found a prayer. <laughs> God, would you take the compassion you carry for spiritually lost people and place it on me, send me, train me, use me to help people get to heaven? There's so many things in my head that I want to say, but I think it's dangerous territory. So what I want to do now is rather than you feel like I've manipulated, misled, done this, I wanted to read the word of God, show you a prayer, and then bring you to prayer. So let's do this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I think there's, a, there's, a diff, there's different groups of us. Some of us have never surrendered our life to Jesus. We've never invited Jesus. We didn't ever really fully think about what did Jesus say about heaven and hell. And now that you know both are real, you want to be with God. And if you're like, I've never done that, I don't know how to begin to do that, I don't know how to feel assured that I do that, you start with, God, I want to be in your family. So maybe that's the prayer that you say right now, that you speak it quietly or just in your head. He'll hear you like, God, I want to be in your family. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and lead me the rest of my life. I want you. But maybe some of you, you've prayed that prayer and you don't have to repeat the prayer. You got it. Maybe some of you need to say, God, give me the compassion that you have. Help me to see people as they really are, not judgmentally, but Lord, that they may know who Jesus is someday. Pray for that compassion. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would welcome in new believers today and that you would challenge the already believers, Lord, to have a compassion that is all about you, all for you and that sees people who are far from you as wonderful people whom you love so much you made them. God, help us to have compassion and give us opportunity to show them who you are because you are amazing. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.